I also know that I feel an unction in the Holy Ghost. If you make your way back to your seats, I'll not keep you long. I'll preach until God is ready to take over and you're ready to move. But I believe I'm in the vein of the Spirit tonight. Amen. As I invite you to the book of Luke, chapter number 2, we'll begin reading with verse number 41. I want to remind you of tomorrow night, 7 p.m., but also next Sunday night, Pastor Mark Copeland from Sebastopol, Mississippi, will be with us next Sunday night. And I believe wholeheartedly it's the will of God for him and his voice to be heard in our church. I'm asking you to be prayerful this week. If you have not yet signed up the fasting calendar, please do so. What we're feeling is the effects of a unified body. And I'm going to just say this. It's crowded in here tonight. Amen. We'll probably be moving next door faster than you think if things keep going like they're going. You say, are we making that permanent? We're just one step at a time, okay? Amen. I felt the witness of the Spirit when I said that. Amen. Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I want to preach just a little while from this thought, the missing Jesus. The missing Jesus. Could you lift your hands and let's ask the Holy Ghost to help us. Father, we need that unction from on high. God Anything that would try to distract. I'm preaching to souls tonight, Lord, that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt need to hear what I'm going to say. And I bind everything that would try to hinder or distract them from stepping into what God would have for them tonight. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, shall we clap our hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Amen. You may be seated. The missing Jesus. It's so easy at times to read the words on these pages and not put ourselves in the scenario that we're reading. If you read out of duty or you read out of desire, it's easy just to thumb through some chapters and put a check by those chapters and appease our conscience and say that we read our Bible. But I want to remind you tonight that this is not a storybook. It is a book with stories. 
but it's not a storybook. This was not the figment of an author's imagination just to create scenarios of good versus evil and some plot twists in between. The Bible says that all scripture is given by God and it's profitable. And it said, that book said that holy men of God, they wrote and they spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. This is the most accurate book that there's ever been. There's no flaws. There's no contradictions. It's the epitome of purity because it is God on paper. No, the pages are not the material of God, but the words are the essence of God. If you want to know what God likes and what he doesn't like, you get in the book of Leviticus and you start reading how he feels about things. And God hasn't changed and, and changed his mind as to how he feels about things. You read in the New Testament and you'll see the Bible said that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. And so it also tells us that the fulfillment of the law is perfect love. Amen. So when Jesus came on the scene, he was not introducing a new thing. Because if he was introducing a new thing, that mean he would, means he would have gotten rid of the old thing. Now, you say, well, he introduced a new, a new covenant. In that regard, he did. But can I tell you, he introduced a continuing thing. Because he built upon what he had already established throughout the Old Testament. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. And so God has slowly revealed himself through attributes of Jehovah. But they would only know him as that attribute. They would not know him as the fulfillment or the totality of who he was. Are you with me? But when that angel spoke to Mary that day, Luke gives us perhaps what is the most intricate detail of the coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When, when those, that, that angel spoke to Mary that day who was a, 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 a young lady who had not yet known a man. She was espoused or she was engaged to a man but had not had a relationship that would produce an offspring. And so she made the vessel that God could use that was not qualified based upon who she was, but she was qualified based upon what she was not, which she was not married. She had not known a man. And so what God was going to do through her would be the fulfillment of the Holy Ghost. In fact, she even asked, how will this be? And that angel spoke and said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And friend, I want you to know tonight, a man couldn't do for Mary what God was wanting to do for Mary. Stay with me. I don't have notes, but I know where I'm going. And there are people just like Mary who expected to produce their best with other people and expected to produce their best with what people could do for them in their life. And they're searching all around this world for people to do in them what only the Holy Ghost can do in them. I don't care who you run with. I don't care who you hitch your wagon to. There ain't a person on this earth that can do in you what the Holy Ghost wants to do in you. You can try to find it in pills. You can try to find it in promiscuity. You can try to find it through all the works of the flesh, but it cannot do what the Holy Ghost wants to do in you. 
clap your hands unto God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Mary, you've got a purpose. And I've got a plan for the purpose. Now you would think if I had an angelic visitation such as she. Now the Bible says the host of heaven was there. You study that out. That was actually the warrior angels. The host was a military. It was like an army of angels that showed up. That's, that's a pretty remarkable thing. I mean, that just don't happen every day. So am I Mary? This is burned in my memory. And God says, I'm not just going to give you a child. I'm going to give you me as a child. Not just a child. The child. God robed in flesh. Heko imahasheko. That should be a remarkable moment in Mary's life that forever changes her. And then you see God lead shepherds supernaturally to that manger, to that place where Jesus was. Second remarkable thing. Wise men that God led with gifts Man, we're not talking Cabrini here. It ain't your average delivery. All of these supernatural things lining up in Mary's life to confirm that this is me. This is the Holy Ghost which came upon you. And you would think, it's just me here. I would be so Tied to Jesus. I wouldn't want to let him out of my sight. I know he was a boy. He was fully God, but he was fully man. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sitting here debating. I'm sure Jesus had a temper. I'm sure he got angry, but he didn't sin. If that was the he went in the temple as he got older and he made a whip and he threw out the muddy changers, but it wasn't wrong. It's not wrong to be angry. That's an emotion that came from God. It's wrong when your anger causes you to sin and do and say things that you shouldn't do. That's when you cross the line. So I'm sure he was a boy that got a whipping. Why, why would he say about the rod in Proverbs but not submit to it in Luke? Oh, y'all didn't know I was jumping on parenting. He was all boy, but he was all God. And here, the Bible says in our text that every year they went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And we pick up where he's 12 years old. So that tells me for all of those years, they just went through the rituals. All of those years. In fact, I would put it like this, that Christ became common. It was just normal to have him around. It was just normal to have him there at the temple playing with the other kids. It was just normal to have him in the house. It was just normal to, to see him. On, it's just like on a Sunday when you come to church and it's just normal to expect him to be here. It's, it just gets normal to come to church on Wednesday. It gets normal to come to church even on a Monday. And you just get in this cycle of normalcy where Christ becomes common. Where, where what once enamored you, I'm sure when Mary held that baby, she was sitting there mesmerized, recalling the words of what the angel spoke to her. It was so fresh. It was so real. It was so powerful that her world revolved around that child. 
just like when people get the Holy Ghost for the first time, which is the Holy Ghost in them. It's the same spirit that was in Christ. And it wows you. And it awes you. And it changes you. And you go pray. And, and all you can think about is what God is doing in your life. And you read your Bible and all you can think about is what God is promising you and God is doing in the church. And when that baby is born in you, you're just so enamored with it. But over time, Christ becomes common. And you're not wowed like you once were. And you're not stirred at once you once were. And you don't place the value on where it should be. You know, I want you to think of it like this. Have you ever wanted something so bad? You saved up your money for it. And you finally got it. I don't care what it is. Just something that you really wanted. And when you got it, you loved it. It was beautiful. You took care of it. But let's look at it a year later. When the new wears off. And it doesn't mean what it once meant in your life. That desire to have it. It doesn't move you anymore. Now you've got your eyes set on something else. Because you're chasing a feeling. And we've got far too many people that are feeling chasers. And they're trying to find a feeling in a shout. And they're trying to find a feeling in a song. And they're trying to find a feeling with a, through a word from God. And the whole time, the thing that they need the most has been there. It's the thing that used to stir them. It's the thing that used to move them to prayer. It's the thing that used to move them to reading the Bible. It's the Holy Ghost, Christ in you. But it's become so common that it doesn't move you like it once did. I'm preaching tonight because somebody along the way has put Christ aside. Oh, God, help me understand the spirit with that I'm preaching. I'm coming because God has convicted me. He always deals with a preacher before he deals with the church because we have a treasure, not, not something that can be bought with hands, but it's a heavenly treasure that is in this earthen vessel. And you could search all through. Pray with me right now. I'm telling you, I'm fighting something in the Holy Ghost. Keep your eyes closed just a second. I'm going to just pastor just real quick. Parents, you go home tonight and teach your children how to act during church. Because I'm tired of watching young people talk while I'm trying to fight for souls. Listen to me. Good singing did not get us here. I'm going to say this. Good preaching did not get us here. But what got us here was God said, I'm going to come visit you. I'm going to show up in your lives. I'm going to do the supernatural. I'm going to show you what Mary, let me show you what I can do through you. Wallace Ridge, let me show you what I can do in you. It's the Holy Ghost that got us here and nothing else is going to take us where God's trying to take us. Only the Holy Ghost. Only the Spirit of God. Twelve years, Mary, you kept eye on him. Twelve years, you kept eye. But now, Mary, 
Bible says that they supposing him. They supposed that he was with them. They assumed that because he'd always been with them, he'd always be right there. They assumed just because he kept showing up every Sunday and stirring our hearts and drawing us closer. They just supposed that we had good church on Sunday. We're going to have good church on Monday. We're going to have good church on Wednesday. They supposed. I tell you, you're living in dangerous ground when you start assuming that God owes you his presence. You're walking in places that's dangerous because God does not owe us anything. We have him because he loves us. The moment we start thinking that just because we give and just because we do and just because we come to church uh, that God owes us something, we're fooling ourselves because he'll withdraw his presence. God's not obligated to a denomination. You hear this preacher. God has not obligated himself to a denomination or to the name on a church sign. But God goes where he's where people hunger for him. God goes where people are wanting him. You know what's been happening around here? God sees hunger stirring up in people's hearts. And God said, I'm attracted to hunger. I'm not attracted to a program. I'm not attracted to what's on a paper. I'm not attracted to a song. I'm a blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For God said they shall be filled. Oh God, I'm so hungry. I don't want to assume that we're just going to always have his presence. tell you something. Go to Numbers chapter 14. Now, I'm going to put this in context. They had sent out the spies to the place where God wanted them to go. Two believed. Ten had an evil report. And those ten, you heard me talk about it on, on Wednesday night, they let their words determine people's destiny. They let their words spread unbelief in people's hearts. And there's more of that message coming because the longer I sit on it, the bigger that thing's getting. You've got to watch your words because the Bible says bitter water and sweet water, they can't come out of the same fountain. I'm going to pause here just for a minute and just give you a little bit more of that message. Bible says, y'all remember our scripture that we memorized? Do all things without, you look, we haven't refreshed your class right here. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. Not just some things. That even means taking out the trash. And I hate taking out the trash. Despise taking out the trash. I started leaving my dumpsters at the road because I hate pulling that can down my driveway. I got to get me something built on the back of my ranger so I can pull them. Oh, and I even have to work on that. Now I'm coming with a one-two punch y'all didn't know I'm coming with. If Jesus is where he's supposed to be in your life, you can do all things without murmuring and complaining. Let me tell you when the murmuring and complaining starts. When Jesus goes missing. When he's not where he's supposed to be in your life. Mary and 
all the family supposed. Now, anybody ever forgot a kid anywhere? There's honest people in here. Come on, we're not, we're not slamming nobody. It's, if you got multiple kids, and you got a bigger family, and you got people moving in all these different directions, sometimes you can just assume that they're where they're supposed to be. And then you get home, or you get down the road, or you get where you're going, and you go, well, you don't, you don't have, no, I don't have, well, you, and there it goes. Amen. Clap your hands as hard and loud as you can right now. And so that's what happened with Mary and Joseph. They just assume he's in the pack. Took for granted what God had given them himself. I just kind of believe it was Jesus testing them. Because he was driven by something other than man's agenda. Watch this. Bible says they were gone one day's journey. One day. If I had to guess, I thought he rode somebody else's camel. And when they got to pitch the tent, wasn't there. But it took them three days to get back to them. Because it always takes somebody longer to get back to God than it did for them to realize he wasn't there. They only went out one day, but it took them three to get back where they needed to be. And I'm talking to somebody tonight because you're telling yourself I'm not that far from where I once was. And I can, I can, I can get right back where I need to be. But it will always take you longer to get back than it did for you to leave. Now, I'm going to hit on this just a minute. When Jesus is where he's supposed to be. The Bible says this. Great peace have they which love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. You know why, Sister Beatsy? Because God's where he's supposed to be in their life. We can, we can, we can say this. We could say the law is Jesus and Jesus is the law. Great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace have they which love Jesus and nothing, nothing shall offend them. Nothing. When Jesus is where he's supposed to be. When he's not, then we got to look at the opposite of that verse. When you don't love him, it's easy to get offended. When Jesus is missing. Let's be real. Anybody ever got offended by somebody in church? I'm going to start with me. Right here. That's everybody. Our old lion spirit crept up in here. You know how you got it where you needed to be? You got Jesus back where he's supposed to be. It wasn't a, it wasn't a God problem. It was a me problem. Great peace. Your peace in your life is directly tied to your proximity of Jesus. When he's not where he's supposed to be, you're not going to have the peace that you desire. Oh, but when you get him where he's supposed to be, brother. 
I just feel like chasing so many different rabbits right now. It's 717, but I don't care. Let me, can I pastor just a little bit? In love, in love. You got to hear my voice, my spirit. I love you. I love you. Wouldn't preach like this if I didn't. I'd give you old candy stick message. That murmuring business, Brother Black, I've seen churches stunt their own growth because people couldn't stop talking. It wasn't a problem with God wanting to give them revival. It was that they couldn't accept what God was trying to do because they couldn't keep their mouth shut. Now, how do you think that makes God feel when he's looking at a church going, I've chosen you to be the whale for that area, but you're limiting what I can do in this church. See, when God's where he's supposed to be, we're not going to murmur like our flesh wants to murmur. We're not going to talk. Listen to me. I know where I'm at tonight. We're not going to talk like we know we're not supposed to talk. We're not going to sow discord. We're not going to sow discord. If you're a guest tonight, thank you for being with us. You just happen to pick a night where I'm pastoring. If it fits, wear it. But let me tell you something. I'd be foolish to think that I could please everybody in this church. Can't do it. But you know what? Let me help you feel better about yourself. You can't either. You can't even decide where to go eat. I know it's tight, but I'm going to use a little humor to help you out. I have been praying and seeking God for direction. Because I don't want to be guilty of stunting our own growth because of a lack of vision and a lack of faith. I want our board to stand. If you're on our board, I want you to stand. I don't, uh, Brother Frank Bass is on our board. He's not here. You've got to realize, since I came here, if you've been on the board since I've been here, stand. Let's do it like that as well. If you've been on the board since I've been here, there's more than that. Brother Daryl Black, Brother Glenn, Brother Jason Tomlinson, Brother Maurice, I know some are out. Let me tell you something. Every one of these men that are standing, Brother Donovan, he's holding a baby. He's got a pass. Every one of these, you could, you could sit down, gentlemen. Every one of those men that have stood, I've sought counsel from in private. You know what the Bible says? In the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And I don't want... Yes, men who just shake their head. Okay? I want filters that want what's best for the church. Who have the right spirit and can respectfully show me their viewpoint. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you something. They may see, not may, they have thought of things that I didn't even think about and prevented me from doing something that I would have went back and said, you know what, I messed that one up. I'm not threatened by a single one of these men that stood up. You know why? Because they have the heartbeat of the church and I've never had to question their loyalty. And I've got those men that are on the board right now and we're praying we're praying for direction. We're praying for timing. It's not about what's best for me. It's about what's best for the church. But I said all that to say this. It doesn't matter what we decide. Somebody's not going to like it. And I'm okay with that. 
as long as they don't try to stir up and tear down the body of Christ. Because I feel a spirit of unity in this church, the likes of which I've never felt since I've been here. Because God has opened up the windows of heaven. And I don't want to miss the timing of God. So I'm saying all that to say this. We don't need people starting fires. We need people people putting out fires. We need people saying, Pastor, I'm with you. Board member, I'm with you. Mom and dad, I'm with you. It doesn't matter. Why? Because we're putting Christ where he's got to be. Everything's going to revolve around him. I'm going to say this. I'm just going to hit it all tonight, okay? This group of young people right here, I'll fight hell with a water pistol for them. I love them. I don't believe in embarrassing people. If you're embarrassed over what I did tonight, that was not intentional. That was love. It was love. The next step is I will embarrass you. I'll come sit by you. I don't want to do that. I'll let parents deal with that. But I got a lot of mercy over here. I got a lot of mercy. I know they're going to make mistakes. You made mistakes when you were there. You had a pastor and you had parents that helped you and prayed for you and forgave you. I got a lot of mercy. And I'd rather be guilty of being merciful than too judgmental. Cost somebody a soul. I've had people walk out of this church because I was too merciful. And I weep before God and say, God, if I'm too merciful, you forgive me. But I'd rather reach with everything I got to help a soul than to draw a sword and cut them off before God was able to deal with them. And next time you will open your mouth about something that you don't know, you better think if it was your child how you'd want me to handle it. I love you. I love you. I don't expect your children to be perfect. Would you listen to me? I don't talk about my family often. But if I don't expect your children to be perfect, don't expect mine to be perfect. The kids, the children, doing everything we can. Pray for my kids. Pray for your kids. I'm harder on mine than you'll ever be on them. They're not perfect. They didn't choose the ministry. They didn't get to choose where they were walking. God called me. Didn't have a choice. The last thing I want is my children to hate the ministry because people expected them to be perfect. Pray for them. You don't want to talk about them. I don't want to talk about your kids. You shouldn't be talking about other kids. I'll tell you something. Or I was ever called to be a pastor. I was called to be a daddy. And just like you have them conversations with your kids where they're crying because they don't know what to do, my house ain't exempt either. And we'll say this. You got something you want to tell me? Come to me. I protect my kids from your business. They don't know church problems. They've been caught off guard more times than you can count because somebody thought that they could get a word into me. And they don't have a clue what you're talking about. Because I protect you. When they see you, I don't want them to see you in all of your flaws and problems. I want them to see you as a brother and sister in Christ that loves them. They're going to share your business everywhere.
hikamu oshiki alaboho. We'll tell you something. I, I, don't, I can't tell you why other than the Holy Ghost I'm walking where I'm walking right now. When God's not in His place, it'll ruin your life. And you'll have a form of godliness. But you'll deny the power thereof. You don't know. You don't know the pressure I put on myself. To be the best pastor I can be. To be the best husband I can be. Best parent I can be. You got to know my spirit. I'm not mad. I've been sitting on this for a long time until God said it was time to come out. I love you. You ain't going to find somebody that loves you more than this pastor loves you. Let me tell you. How God feels about murmuring against the ministry. I'm not saying me. I'm saying the ministry. After the prophet healed the water. There was these kids making fun of his bald head. What happened to the kids? He cursed them. And God honored it. Did God change? If he felt that way then, does he feel that way now? I can't tell you the times that I've went and wept before God saying, God, don't hold it against them, but save them. Because if God will honor a curse, God will also honor a prayer to withhold his judgment. There are people right now, the only reason God has not executed judgment is because there was a man of God that prayed for their soul and God spared them. Listen to me. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that about me. I'm saying about the office. The office. God honors his office. He'll honor it. When God's not where he's supposed to be. Put that scripture up in numbers that I spoke of earlier. Moses said what God told him. People mourned greatly when they found out that God was not going to lead them in the promised land. Next verse. They rose up early in the morning. Get them up at the top of the mountain and say, Lo, we be here. We'll go up in the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? Too late. You done made God mad. Watch this. It's not going to work. Moses is sitting here telling them, you can go all you want. You can keep having church all you want. You can keep going through the motions all you want. But it's not going to work. Watch this. Next verse. Go not up. Why? For the Lord is not among you. Don't you understand? We did not get here off of what we could do. We could not part the Red Sea. We could not make bitter water sweet. We, we could not get where. Moses is trying to say, has it not hit you up here yet? That the only reason we could have made it to the promised land was not because we were great, but because he was great. He said, I'm telling you, don't go. Because if you go, you're going by yourself. You're going to be smitten. Next verse. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. You're going to fall by the sword because you turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. Next verse. But they presume. Mary supposed 
They presumed. Basically, they all just assumed that God was going to be there the whole time. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Next verse. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. What should have been a triumphant takeover and entry into the promised land because God was in it turned into disaster for the children of Israel because God was missing. I'm going to tell you this in the fear of the Lord. It doesn't matter how good we put music up here. It doesn't matter how good I come up here and preach a sermon. We could build the biggest of buildings. But if Jesus is missing, we're fooling ourselves. We can assume that because he's been with us all of these years, that he's just going to keep on being with us. We don't have to pray like we once did and we don't have to consecrate like we once did and we don't have to dig in like we once did because we've slacked up and God is still showing up. So if God's still showing up, then he must approve what we're doing. That's not true. I'll tell you that more people than not are freeloading off of what other people are digging. They're freeloading off of the elders. They're freeloading off of other people's consecration. My heart is stirred. You got to hear me. I know I preached a funeral yesterday, but it's been going this year as God is removing elders out of our midst. And my heart is so stirred because who's going to pray like they prayed? And who's going to fast like they fasted? And who's going to consecrate like they consecrated? And I'm looking around saying, who's rising up? Who's going to be that one that's going to pray? I look at these silver clouds, if you will, out here, and I realize that should the Lord Lord Terry is coming, that they're going to go by way of the grave. And what they've done for this church is going to be a void unless somebody rises up and realizes the importance of having Jesus where he's supposed to be, having God where he's supposed to be. Stand with me all over this building. I'll tell you this. I'm telling you this. I can't think of a message that I preach under more of a burden than this one in a long time. Please know how I'm going to say this. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be ugly. You've got to hear my spirit. I'm not trying to be confrontational. I'm not trying to beat you over the head. You've got to know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Parents, Jesus has to be the center of everything. Musicians, you can come. Here's what can't happen. Here's what cannot happen. Stop using the pastor as the scapegoat because you don't want to upset your children. Because you're painting a skewed picture in their mind. Because the pastor becomes the bad guy because you want to be liked by your kid. Stop throwing me under the bus because you're too afraid of upsetting little Susie or little Johnny. Pastors have taken way more blame for standing for truth than what's right 
because parents didn't want to stand. Let me ask you something. If you're 40 and over, your parents ever tell you something that you didn't like and you didn't agree with, but you didn't argue because you knew they loved you? I'll be 40 in December. Raise my hand. Sometimes. No. I'm going to just say it like this. You show greater love by not allowing them to do what you know will damage them than allowing them to do something because you want them happy. You're hurting them more. You're hurting them more. I know what it's like to say no. I know what it's like to look at those girls. You can't wear that can't go here we got church tonight we got prayer meeting tonight you know why because I want to make sure our world revolves around him I don't want him to go miss it and me try to hurry up and get him back where he's supposed to be the damage is done I'm going to say this you create confusion if your spirituality is up and down and your judgment is up and down because if you let them do it yesterday, but they can't do it today, but they can do it next week, then where's the consistent line? Got to know where the line is, mom and daddy. Tell you where that line's going to be, where that book draws it, and where pastor says it's going to be. I've never drawn a line out of hate. I've always drawn a line out of love. Jesus, got to be the center. These altars are open. I want to make sure if you're here tonight, Jesus isn't where he's supposed to be. I wouldn't walk out of this place without coming.